I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we are track walking. You totally should have done that intro. As I could have done the intro because Scott forced me into a topic tonight because he wanted us to be all... Uh, I think your words were like you wanted it to seem like we try. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also I a have, topic you've if, been wanting to do for a little while now. Uh, it's been a... It's been a it's, been on the back burner been thinking about it but yeah like i have like three pages of notes i worked for this good take you away from your tiny motorcycles for a little while i'm pretty excited about tiny motorcycles though i am doing speaking of tiny motorcycles i am doing a grid life build Mm. so it's like a a build specifically to function within the confines of grid life as uh, long as they don't ban pit bikes what um what class are you going to enter it in? Uh, cool guys driving around the parking lot in pit bikes. Nice. Which is definitely a class. Yes. Yeah. So I have a, a Honda Sierra 50 2004, maybe? I think it's like the first year that they called it a CRF instead of a an XR. And they've been making the same... Honda's been making the same bike since like 2001, it's it's an identical, functionally identical motorcycle for the last 23 years because it's perfection. Like to this CC. day? Yeah, same bike. Hmm. Like all the parts are interchangeable. If you go look at the parts fiche, like that part fits from 2001 to 2023. Like for basically everything other than some minor changes in plastics uh, in like 2021 maybe. I had some minor plastics changes. Other than that, like everything's the same because it was perfect. Fifty cc horizontal air cooled motor, uh, based off the the same horizontal air cooled motor they've been making since like the late nineteen fifties. Um, it's brilliant. It's so good. That is very Honda. Just keep using the same parts. Yeah, make it good the first time, and then you don't have to change it. Probably means parts are cheap too. Um, yeah, it's, well, the other thing is there's like a huge parts catalog. Like if you want to buy a tiny pit bike and you want to buy parts to make your tiny pit bike awesome, you buy uh, a Honda or a Honda clone because there's a gazillion different parts for it. You can, you can take it from two and a half horsepower out to like 12 horsepower. Um, you can buy bigger wheels for it. You can buy extended swing arms. You can buy a million different plastic sets from china you can buy tall seats you can buy different foot pegs like there is no limit like you can build a five thousand dollar pit bike off a motorcycle that brand new from honda right now costs seventeen hundred dollars i was gonna ask what the the new new cost is but what can you before the dealer fees it's like seventeen hundred dollars and then like buying anything costs five to six hundred bucks in in dealer fees and taxes and all that stuff just because it does so dumb yeah what um what do they go for used, like decent, used? Used, decent right now, they're like 1200 bucks. I was about to say, like if you, not if, much less. No, if you buy a, a 2006 in pretty good condition, like say you're cruising Craigslist, it's in good condition, you look at the cases and they don't have a lot of wear on them, so they haven't had, like that's one of the ways you see how much they've been ridden is you look at the side cases where your feet would hit, mm-hmm. and if they don't have a bunch of wear on them, somebody hasn't been riding it a whole bunch don't do hours don't do any of that stuff Just do wear on the side cases and so you get one that hasn't been ridden a bunch it's like a $1,200 motorcycle which is probably what it was new in 2006 they just don't lose value and what size of human being can these fit I'm comfortable on it okay what are they made for they're made for kids between like four and eight years old okay Um, they are halfway, very small halfway thinking very about small. my son yeah. Um, and then all the way up to, you know, gigantic people who ride them for fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing a grid life build. I got a, got a, I bought two motorcycles from a sketchy dude in a travel trailer. Um, who dragged them out from behind his travel trailer and, uh, paid like a grant for both of them. And 
uh, because I wanted one and I didn't necessarily want the other. The other's a Yamaha, which actually is one of the best running motorcycles I have, but that's a different story. I can't decide what to do with it because it works so good. Um, and so now I'm going to build the Honda up to be my grid life pit bike. And I'm super stoked about that because it's going to be awesome. I am too because I want to ride it. Yeah, wear a helmet though. I I have one of those. Okay, because I'm all about safety and head injuries suck. But not my new fancy one though. No, because if I because when I fall, I don't want to scuff it up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I am putting in a fire suppression system, um, which, huh? That's weird, Scott. Shouldn't you have had that before? Uh, probably. Was it legally required before? No. Okay, um, well, there you are. That is something that uh, I think Gridlife is going to be looking at maybe for 2024. Um, okay. Especially for wheel-to-wheel racing, I think fire suppression really should be required at this point. Um, a handheld just doesn't doesn't do it. But To anybody who hasn't been on fire, being on fire sucks. Um, and I agree, fire suppression is a good idea. So I've Isn't got it all like my... running brake lines, though? Yeah, it's not super exciting. So I got, I had to make three brackets, and I've got all five nozzles uh, mounted. I uh, just mounted the bottle tonight. It's a two and a quarter kilogram um, Novik is what I'm using. It's a lifeline zero system so where i don't know what that means i think halon is i think that's the gas that like eats oxygen like yeah or not doesn't eat it but like just rapidly displaces it to the point where it's kind of scary displaces it that was a yeah so it's like it's it's not gonna make you not breathe um but novec is a super fast evaporating gas. So it effectively acts as a significant cooling agent. Uh, and it No, oh, okay. And that's how it eats the fire. It's completely electric, electronic safe. Um it's safe for paper even. Like I mean it's Oh well. Like it's just a very safe uh fluid it's compressed, and then I've got uh, one nozzle aimed at the fuel rail, one nozzle aimed at the kind of from the back towards the exhaust manifold, and then one on the passenger side at the front facing back, uh, kind of towards the oil filter and um, exhaust manifold area again. So the likeliest ignition points on the car. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then on the inside the drivers, I've got the two kind of uh, flanking me, um, kind of kind of around the calf area, but like chest, stomach high, uh, okay. aimed at my stomach. Uh, it, the instructions specifically for Novec, because it comes out and it's very cold, they say do not aim it at your legs, uh, especially your knees. Because it could no frostbite you. Frostbite you. Um, but it's also a very heavy gas, so it's going to fall very quickly as well. Oh, okay. So they recommend to aim it kind of at your lower torso, um, but then it's going to kind of drop very quickly from there. So, so I've got all that that stuff mounted. Um, yeah, now I just need to start running lines and. Uh, fastening them so they don't wobble about. So it's going to be a little tedious, I think, but we'll get it done. So I only have one good fire suppression story. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one of the guys who was running time trial with me when I was doing that back in the day had a very nice, very fast Viper. Ooh. Super cool car. I like Vipers. And he didn't want it to burn to the ground, so he had fire suppression plumbed in. And I don't know if they're still using this, but one of the systems they used back in the day literally just used soapy water, pressurized soapy water. Was that AAF or something like that, maybe? Yeah, I don't I don't okay. even know. I just know that you, you, you filled... 
it's yeah, it's foam. foam. So what happened is it was it was water with a, a foaming agent in it. Yep. And when you pulled the pin, it it created foam, which put out the fire. Foam party. And s- something happened to the car when it wasn't on fire. Oh God. <laughs> and there was an extremely nice Viper that looked like it had a foam party yep. inside it. Yep. And it was so cool because it wasn't my car. Yeah. Oh, that'd um, be a nightmare to clean up. It really wasn't that bad because he just had to basically like like push all when the bubbles popped, it basically turns into soapy water. Um, and so he just had to like get all the water out of the passenger compartment and then it was just fine. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he's have water everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he didn't think it like he was annoyed, but he's like, Oh, thank God I just had this system instead of whatever the other system was at the time was the was the really corrosive yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah, that one hasn't been used for a while in most scenarios. I forget what the chemical was. Yeah, but those were those were the two popular options at the time were the that one that's really corrosive and you like have to clean everything off. Yeah. Like your weekend's over because you need to go clean stuff so your car doesn't eat itself eat. chemically. Yeah. And uh he was like, of the two salu- of the two things, this was the way better. Yeah. So and now it's like Novak and I think even Halon. I think Halon kind of has some powdery residue in it, but Halon, it's like you don't. From everything I've I've seen and read, like you don't have to clean up anything. It's just whatever the fire took care of. Did so. yeah. Well, that also makes you more likely to pull it in a situation where you're like, wait, is the car on fire? Yeah. I think I'm definitely going to pull this first and ask questions later. Yep. And some of those older systems, which were going to be a huge problem, you wanted to make sure you were doing like the lesser of two evils was a giant corrosive cloud of dust. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm uh, glad it's going in. Um, kind of take my time being sure everything's plumbed up correctly. And, uh, like I said, just mounted the bottle with some big old washers, big old thick washers on the backside and whatnot. So that's not going any. You know, you shake it and say that's not going anywhere and continue on. Life is good when you've got uh, like no passenger seat in your car. Even in a Miata, that makes all sorts of room, doesn't it? You know, it does, but where the passenger seat butt was, I've got um ballast weight so i couldn't put it there um and miatas have that frame rail that runs right under there all the way forward and you also have a fuel line and a brake line right under there so actually mounting it on the floor wasn't gonna work so i mounted it on the transmission tunnel oh okay but still you don't have to worry about intruding into anybody else's space nope it's so all sorts of room to uh, have activities. Yeah, race car stuff. That's good. That's good. Safety this year. Theme is safety. I like that. Yeah. So you... Okay, so earlier we talked... Uh, earlier in the season, we did, did the first of our philosopher shows. Yes. On uh, Epicurious. That was it. And Epicureanism, and uh, if if anybody hasn't listened to that show, I I hesitate to say you should listen to it because I'm not sure if you should. But we did talk about philosophers and their their uh, relevance to race car drivers before, and I promised there would be more. And I'm trying to remember. So, do you remember what episode that was, or when I we talked about that? I'll let you search through it while I explain what we're doing tonight. Okay. Which is instead of talking about an individual philosopher, um, we're going to talk about a school of thought, which is Stoicism, and and how that will help us be better race car drivers. Um, and I, what's cool is I can start Stoicism out by without telling you anything about it. The coolest fact about Stoicism is where the name came from. Okay. And uh, the Stoa in Stoicism, S-T-O-A, is a fancy old Greek word for porch. 
because all these guys used to hang out on the the Greek the the Latin term was something I can't pronounce. I tried it. And it's it's the painted porch because somebody hung up a bunch of these fancy Hellenistic paintings and this really fancy porch in Athens, and they would all hang out on the porch and talk about stuff. Which I wish man. I wish we it's, would it's do that in the north more. There's a a book I just recently uh heard about and kind of looked into is um and I'm totally don't remember a name but it was about how important the porch is in the south like how that's like a really cultural cultural icon basically before air conditioning and before modern construction but that's a whole nother argument sure but literally stoicism is literally just a porch philosophy dudes hanging out on the porch chatting sorting out life um which struck me like I liked that because we hang out. I mean, track walking. We hang out on the racetrack kind and of we talk we about do. things. Yeah, so we maybe we may actually be the founding members of a, a whole philosophical school at some point, mm. based around the track, and we'll have some sort of name, and I don't know what that will be. Um, but that's stoicism um, started on a porch, which is pretty cool. It's I like it. it. I wonder it what comes, kind of drinks they had though. Like I think most of it was crappy red wine. I think is uh, maybe these were these were pretty well to do guys. I bet it wasn't just crappy red wine. Okay, like a lot of these were were pretty well to do guys. Nice red wine though. Nice red wine. So this this school of philosophy actually uh, overlapped. Um, was right at about the same time as Epicurus. Uh, it's the the Hellenistic period. In Greece, so basically the 300 years that uh, predated the the birth of Christ, you know, 300 BCE to about zero BCE, that general period. Um, just to give people a time frame, when were these guys hanging out on the porch talking about stuff? Uh, 300 years pre Jesus, roughly. 2300 years ago. Yeah, 2300 years ago, still Jeez. relevant today. Awesome. It's still um, weird to me that like humans have been around for that long. <laughs> Oh, we've been around way longer than that. Well, I, I but, know, but just like we've survived this long. We've been talking about modern ideas for that long. This is not like grubbing around and, and killing wildebeests and stuff. This right. is like this hanging is out on the porch, drinking wine, talking about how to live a, a more full life. Yeah. And longer than that, too. Longer than that. So the guy who was very much we can we can trace this one back to like a single dude who sat on the porch and gathered everybody around, and that was Zeno. Zeno with a Z. Is that the um, same dude who had the math idea that you can only approach zero, you can never reach it? No idea. That's Zeno. Okay. Didn't get it didn't get didn't get into that in the particular text that I was reading today. Um Zeno was a guy who read a lot of Plato um, and those guys. He was a philosopher. That's what he did. Yeah. I mean, who didn't read Plato? I know. At the time, that was that was kind of what happened. Um, later guys were like Cicero, who never... He didn't identify as a Stoic, but he definitely was on that stuff. And um, then later, Seneca is another one of the, the popular Stoic philosophers. And there's... There is, I ran across something that said there's there's a lot of thought that um, actually the the East and West cultural connection, which happened 2500 BCE, that sort of thing, um, Buddhism was already around then and was as a philosophical religious school. Mm. The Buddhists were wandering around talking to people. Um, and I there are people who that think influence. that... Yeah, there's people who think that, that that may have influenced those guys and a lot of their, their talking because they love to bring ideas in and talk about stuff and write it down and drink wine and do all that. So um, Stoic philosophy from the beginning was a, like a really, it was like a, it was a philosophical school. So they sat down to accomplish something and they did. And so it had three distinct parts like from the beginning okay. that they talked about. Okay. And those were the, the physics, logic, and ethics. Physics, logic, ethic. And ethics. And we're only going to talk about two of those. 
Okay. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, we're going to start with physics because it's first. Mm. And it, we, we would think okay. that physics is like dealing with conic structures and uh, velocity problems and all those things, and that's not it. No. Physics just has to do with the fact that Stoicism deals with the fact that the only things that are real are the things that are real. Physical things. Physical things. Okay. And so they that that's like the basis of it. Like we can only do real things with real things, and the realest thing is a person. Okay. Like the realest thing in your world is going to be you. So some things borrowed some things from materialism. What's important are yeah things we can touch, see, taste. Yep. Or at least as and, they understood it at the time. Yeah, and so so right now in this moment, you are the most real thing that's going to be. And so the the past is a thing that has happened, and the future is a thing that hasn't happened yet. And so that very much influenced how. They would think about things. Um, there was, there was a lot of the moment is real type things, which resonated with me as as a driver in in a race environment. The moment is real. Yeah, that's that's the only thing that's real. Like because something that has already happened is no longer a thing. Okay. And something that hasn't happened yet is also no longer a thing. Living in the moment. Yeah, the that's the the that's the place where you are, and so it's the only reality. And so when we get to some other things about the some of the other philosophical the ethics part of it, they'll talk about you know the things you can and should worry about and things you can and shouldn't worry about, right. and those are really strongly based around that idea. Okay. Um, and that made sense to me as a race car driver, especially or or a racer in general. In, in an event, which is the microcosm of life, which we like to turn everything uh, in this show about racing and driving into the microcosm of life, right? Sure. So you're in a race. The only moment that matters is now. That's the idea. <laughs> yes. That, that's it. That's an ideal, right? And and this is when I talk about the Stoic philosophy. It's always an ideal, right? You're always trying to get to an ideal and and in racing that would be the the ideal like what happened in the last lap isn't something you should dwell on you can acknowledge it sure but but to dwell on it as a stoic would say is is useless you're you're wasting your time yeah I'd, i'd want to Kind of, I don't want to say even push, but like the whole notion of using the past to learn. Like I'd want to see the distinctions that are made there. Like, sure, what happened on the in the last lap or two laps ago, don't worry about it's in the past, but like I can use that and apply that to the same situation or the same set of turns that I'm in now, try something different. So I don't think it, it seems to me that memory has to play a part in here. But 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 your memory is still the current you. Sure. Those those actions to to dwell on those past actions and let them affect the current you, not very stoic. Okay. And I'd also because if so for going around a racetrack doing race car things and coming up on a pack of cars and you are in a battle with somebody. There's got to be a sense of planning ahead or trying to plan ahead, trying to think ahead. But the stoic argument for that would be in thinking about the future, you're drawn out of the moment. And doing the right thing in the moment is the thing that makes the future better. So if you are capable of driving your best right now because you are in this moment, 
then the future will be better because you've done your best right now. Mm -hmm. So don't worry too much about whether about what you're going to do. Worry about doing your best now. And that will automatically lead to in the future, when that future is real, you are in the best place. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I I get it. I get it. I want to be on board. But the whole notion of um, putting off good for a greater good later or versus like getting what you can like right now. I I could see them both being goods, but one being a better good in the moment and one being a better good in the future. What what say you to that, sir? No, they I, I say that this is exactly like if you start reading about stoicism, this is exactly the arguments they sat on the porch and had. Yeah. Like this is I you know, that was that was the thing is, you know, they they had I've got on on my notes here, they um they said the the biggest problem one of the bigger problems they have with this physical side of this is the is the notion of of fate which is if everything is just rolling forward and what will happen will happen then you don't really need to do anything mm. because what will happen will happen um roll through your days and and because all of the moving pieces around you are moving regardless of what you do you'll you're probably going to end up in about the same place anyway so they did believe in fate well that's the thing is is i'm not sure they ever came up with like a really good answer for it okay it was just that that where you are right now in life on the racetrack is a direct consequence of the things that have happened okay no matter what like like that's they 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 couldn't separate that they said okay that's a truth like where you are depends on like did it rain yesterday? Did you tighten your lug nuts? Did, you know, what did you eat for breakfast? Like, like everything where you are is a consequence of what has happened previously. And everything that's happening right now is a combination of those events in the past that came together to make right now. Right. And so that creates the idea of fate. If, if everything right now is predetermined by things that have already happened if it's already happened it can't be changed then you can be really lazy about the world and do nothing and just let it wash over you right they didn't like that idea either like like they accepted that that was a way to think about it and for the most part they didn't really like that idea either um needed some sense of agency yeah, but it but it's it's sort of an inevitable thought process of like using like starting this philosophical structure. Um, if you say like I'm here now because of what happened, right? Inevitably, you run into this argument, right? Okay. Um, and and they acknowledge that that argument existed. Um, and they stoic, so, stoically let it wash over them and uh, moved on. Well, no, most of, well they they didn't kind of so they they argued about it. There's um, so they had what they called, um, Cicero made what, what was called the lazy argument earlier on. So that if all their actions and consequences are predetermined, there's no point in taking any at all. Right. Okay. Why call the doctor when you're sick? If it's determined, already determined that the doctor will come. Which is a, is a logical fallacy right there. Sure. And so the the thing is that they pointed out that you still have to take the actions in your life at a current time so that you can affect what will happen in the future. You have to call the doctor so that the doctor will come so that you can get better. You have to... Why am I it, picturing, and, like, Guitar Hero, where the music's <laughs> playing... You're not actually playing, but you're trying to play at the right time. Like you're trying to play the right note at the right time to go along with the music that's happening. That's an interesting idea. How's how's that (laughs) so? No, that's, we could, yeah, you could do a whole school of philosophy over that idea as well. The funny part is, 
I've never played Guitar Hero, but that's I, but that's the thing that came to my mind. I tried to play it once and I was bad at it. Well, because the first time you try anything, yes. you're bad at it. But but yeah, so so that was the so the that's thing. So physics, right? The physics side of it is the 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 real physical part of the philosophy, like what's happening in life, what has happened, what will happen. The um, person and the present is basically right in 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 how this philosophy sort of like affects you in in the the present and that sort of thing okay um so that's that's the the first part the second part is logic mm-hmm. and so they spent a tremendous amount of time playing with what words and ideas meant okay and i enjoy that pastime too yeah i i took a logic class in college one time a full 10 weeks of just talking about like if a equals b then b equals c type things and the logical structure of language and thought and a lot of how we deal with logical structures and language and thought was initially thought out about these guys okay it's a very mechanical thing and that's why we're not going to talk about it (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> I, I remember taking a uh, a debate and argument arguments class, and it was I have a feeling very similar to these things. Yeah, a huge part from from what I read, a huge part of the Western ideas about logic comes from these guys hanging out on the porch and literally just discussing, you know, just is bullshit. your way of of using those words correct? Or just is bull- there just bullshitting? Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'll say something, and then you'll tell me why that can't be true because it it can't be because the because logic doesn't work that way. Sure. And then some some poor bastard in the corner is probably writing this down, which was terrible. Yeah. Okay. Um. So screw logic. S- yeah, and in reading about the logic structures in language and is actually really kind of fascinating if it's although really dry because it it builds the structure of a lot of western religion actually is based on the fact that that we think about things in a certain way um a lot of western law is built on the fact that we think about things in a certain way Mm -hmm. um a huge amount of that stuff is just sort of you know words work like this if i if this then this Sure. Um, and you can't argue with me because we know if this, then this. And it's really it's really breaking ideas and language down into something that's almost mathematical. And once it's mathematical, it's a truth. Yeah, there's there's a big argument about um, that the language you speak um, helps to define and determine your worldview just because of the grammar of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, the way that time is conceptualized sentences are structured um i slept through most of my latin class in undergrad um (laughs) but i do remember that sentence structure was not terribly important because every word um is conjugated yeah every single word has tense, has ownership, and everything. So you can almost put any word in any order you want to. And I think that would blow most of our minds if our language was structured like that. Yeah, I can't do that. And that's like, even when I try to read some of the stuff that does Latin roots, like none of the words make sense because they're always conjugated. So they're never the same word in my head and I can't figure it out. That was like probably one of the cooler experiences of my life. Like I'd paid attention enough that like I could read some Latin, like I could get to the root of most words and then I took Greek and Hebrew later. So it's like, I've, huh, that's weird. Um, but I did go to Rome after undergrad and oh, that's cool. Like, you know, when you wander around and you see, like, these ruins of buildings from thousands of years ago, and you see some uh, some Latin up there, it's like, oh, I can read these words that were inscribed there 
3,000 years ago. That's pretty dope. Like, that was a pretty cool experience. Things that were behind velvet rope and, like, encased in bulletproof whatever. It's like, I can read that. You can still read the street signs. Kind of cool. Yeah, functionally, you can still read shop signs and street signs. And, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, don't remember hardly. I do not remember hardly any of it today. Yeah, so. which is good because I cannot figure out a way to relate this to driving cars. Nope. At all. Nope, you're good. Um, other than it's it's kind of a, a neat thing that that people will get hoity-toity about and like, ah, I've taken a logic class. Let me tell you about how you, your words are fundamentally wrong from a root meaning. And uh, well, the, you I, want to slap that guy. I guess the way we could connect is like if you drive Caterham 7s and Lotuses, the idea of adding weight to your race car would seem wrong, would seem absolutely like the wrong thing to do. I can agree with that. Where if you are racing in a power-to-weight class and you're going to a racetrack with a lot of straightaways, might actually be beneficial to add weight to your car, which could decrease your lap time. So you're suggesting <laughs> that someone well-versed in the logic structures of the Greeks might be better at reading a rule book? I know at least two people who, yes, I think so. Sure. Huh. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, hey, think think of think of that one when you're Thank you're trying to figure out how to become a better racer, and you think maybe I should get a book on uh, the logic structures of language. Yeah, everybody and thinks then I can, everybody thinks they're a lawyer that they can uh, parse out rules until it's time to actually parse out some rules and make some actual uh, logical argument. Yeah, we can we can all educate ourselves to the point where we can uh, outsmart Adam Jabay. <laughs> yeah there's the podcast war for you right there yeah is read reads so the next rules debate you email abrin and adam about i want you to quote some greek philosopher in the midst of your argument absolutely that'll shut them right down they won't know what to do it'll be amazing all right so we've got skipping logics physics is the person and the present right are vital and there's a lot more to that but i uh, because of course they just beat it to death over the course of 300 years this this is a free podcast we're not going we're not doing the master class version here right and so the third one is ethics Mm. and in in stoicism ethics is is the sort of the argument and discussion structure by which you get to the the root of any philosophical thing, which is in in Stoicism and Epicureanism and all those things. The whole point of having this philosophical structure is that you want to have a well-lived, flourishing life. Sure. And... And the the physics structure is is the way you explain sort of like this is life physically happening, and the ethics structure is the way you're approaching your life, such that all of these things happen, such that you have a well lived life. Because what you want to do, like all, the argument is all anybody really wants in the end is to have a happy, well lived life. So what they would call ethics are they would almost be calling like rules to live by. Yeah. To yep. bring a to bring about this outcome that they think everybody wants. And I will say yes to that. And then somebody who's actually taking a class in this sort of thing will correct me and tell me how wrong I am. But yes. 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 Okay. So how do you determine so, the rules to live by? Oh, uh, you sit on the porch and you talk about it. Mm. Like that's the, so, so that's that's this, my this favorite is where thing about I am like lemonade. I want a good like homemade lemonade, you know, like fresh squeeze, probably too much sugar mixed in, 
Okay. Rattle it around the, the glass pitcher. Seems like the wrong season for that, but go on. Well, that's <laughs> that's what I want, though. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen the sun in a week. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just here to no, no. That's that's track. that's one of the things I really love about um, just sort of the idea of of any of these Greek philosophical schools is these guys did try very hard to live by the rule structures that they set out um, because they thought that you know like. I've thought about this to the point where this is the way to go and I'm going to do it. But for the most part, they just hung out and talked about stuff to get to where they were. It wasn't an experimental culture. It was it wasn't a cult. Yeah. Like they just talked about stuff until they could convince each other that they were right. And then they patted themselves on the back and they went off and they lived that way. So it's time attack. <laughs> <laughs> there's a hot take for you yeah, yeah that right? that i think I'll, I'll hear some things about yeah <laughs> greek philosophy is time attack it's time attacking life i like yeah. that yeah it's, um, it's interesting so and and here's where i think the rubber would hit the road for me in all of this is i think that's well and good for the people who choose to abide by those rules and live their life by those rules because again the self is what's important the present is what's important um but what about living in a society where not everybody uh abides those same rules i they actually talk there's a big section about societal things and i'm pretty sure i didn't take any notes on it they they talk about that but but they do talk about the fact that that it's important for people to have an idea of what they should be doing in order to live a fulfilled happy life and so even though they're they're a little bit a little bit deterministic fatalistic in the fact that you know like these things have happened and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not in our control um we should still work toward an ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, we should we should have a set of of rules that, for whatever reason, we believe work. And we should be I don't want to say we should be flexible in those rules, but you know these guys set out. They looked largely at the rule structure around them, and they went, "I can do this better." Sure. Um, so so it's, they weren't it's GLTC. They, yeah, they weren't like really dogmatic, right? They weren't like, this is what racing is, and so we will race. They were like, this is what's good. This is what good racing feels like when I'm done. When I'm when I'm an old man, when I'm done with a race, when I've done all these things, I want to have raced well. And I want to have run a good race series. And I want to be, you know, I want to be happy with what I've done. Mm-hmm. How do I run my races how do i run my race series how do i as a driver act in a way that when i'm done the inevitable outcome is i am a good racer um and this racing was good and so if you go into it with with a known like rule structure or or in GLTC like a cultural expectation of what good racing is and we all abide by that this is what good racing is then then the outcome is inevitable um which you and we've we've talked about this before but like you would have to have a buy-in from the drivers um like it's not something that can be placed upon the drivers but it's here are thoughts reasons and expectations and if you don't do that totally your choice but that could mean that you're not invited to be a part of the community. So the Stoics' argument is that you shouldn't be relying on the community to buy into that for this to be correct. Yes. If it's correct and good, it's correct and good whether or not the people around you are buying into it. Sure. Like, 
if a good racer leaves room for someone who like if they're on the inside of me and a good racer will leave that room it doesn't matter if all the people around you agree with that it's still a good thing sure and because it's a good thing the 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 interesting part when when people talk about stoics they think about somebody who's not emotional right like a stoic person yeah i wanted to talk about that but so this is this is where it comes into that when we're talking about the the ethics part of it so like the right things are right and they don't have to make us happy or sad and emotional they're still correct and they will still lead to a good outcome so you don't have to want to make room to make you know to, to make someone else happy it's or to make yourself sad or any of that it's still the right thing to do and it will lead to a good outcome so you don't you just do it because it is the thing that will make racing good right um and and in living it's it's those things like like you are good to other people you um you, yeah there's a whole bunch of stoic stuff you, but that's you, not you put your shopping cart back right right you do those correct things and you don't you don't get excited about them right and and when good things happen to you because of the because of the circumstances of life um you you find yourself with a, a big group of friends and people that you know take care of you you don't you don't sit around and, and be happy and pat yourself on the back at it you just kind of are, are like yes that's what happens when you're good now a fallacy that it's it's kind of the when you hear of stoicism now in our culture what i hear most people oftentimes think is oh they just don't get emotional just don't get emotional about anything and that's not that's not true like right they're they're not anti-emotions, but it is this idea of letting things wash over you. Um, it's the idea that the emotions aren't productive; the actions are productive. True. Um. So you getting super pissed off about somebody not leaving you room isn't productive. No. You leaving room is productive. And and so you go through life not focusing on the things that that aren't productive to you, which like in and they they talk about that like sadness, happiness, all those emotional things aren't really productive to the end result of living a good life. Right. They just sort of get in the way because those things shouldn't. Sadness, happiness, all of those things shouldn't be the drivers of virtue, which is they Stoics talk a lot about virtue. Virtues, or, or the they well shouldn't life. be the reward. Like you shouldn't try to make yourself happy. Yeah, because but happiness if, isn't a reward. Right, a life lived well is the reward. Happiness um, and sadness are things that happen along the way. They are not the things to try to win or try to get to. Yes, exactly. Yep, yep. And and that's sort of the the thing with with racing is that is that winning is what happens when you do things well. You don't try right. to win; you try to race well, and winning is a consequence of racing well. Boy, you're gonna have to say that louder for the some people at, in the back. <laughs> like, I'm not talking like back of the GLTC field, but just like, yeah, that's. I would love that to be a prevalent thought in the paddock, but so that's when I was reading about this, I really did think about about racing, um, about track driving in general, because this is this is even true at, at the DE level, right? Like a good DE session has a bunch of people driving predictably, driving well, giving point buys, and doing all of those things that make everybody on track have a better session and when everybody is is watching corner stations giving point buys um eyes up so they're looking forward and looking in their mirrors doing all of those things that that are really good everybody has a good session so you don't have to set out to try to have a good session you have to set out individually to be the best de participant you can be 
which is a societal participant in in that subsection of society. And when that happens, the consequence of everybody being good is a good session. And it goes all the way from DE, which is which is a little more obscure to racing, which makes sense. If everybody shows up to race and is a good racer, it will be a good race. There won't be there won't be bent cars. There won't be people who say, oh, you cut me off. You know, you, you know, did these things. Not that not that there won't be mistakes made because because those mistakes happen because you're, you're trying things very hard. But everybody will understand in the moment that that, you know, they didn't close the door because they were trying to to crush my car and hurt me. That was just, you know, a, maybe a moment where they didn't race as well as they could, and they're going to make an effort to race better. Sure. And so, like, we can all work toward an an ideal race, and I, and that's sort of like the ideal life. Nobody lives the perfect ideal life. There are mistakes made along it. There are things that happen, but we want to work toward our ideal race by being a virtuous racer. I think this has been super helpful. Do you think you can be stoic when you're racing this next year? I mean, I think that's been my goal. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> by another name, but yeah, that's certainly been the goal from the last few years. So yeah, I, I really do think I, I do think Zeno, uh, when he sat down twenty three hundred years ago and he sat on the porch. Um, there's pretty paintings around. It was the painted porch. And he sat down with his buddies and they said, we need a better philosophical school. And let's bust it out and let's talk about it. And they did it for the the next 300 years consistently. And then we've been talking about it off and on since then. Those guys were creating a foundation for us as racers to have very good races. All right, everybody. Consider my trailer the front porch of the paddock. Um, let's come talk about deep things. <laughs> yeah. Let's sit around on Scott's Stoa, which is the, his trailer mm. and uh, have these conversations. I think you just named my trailer and I'm kind of okay I'm gonna, with it. I'm going to make you a sticker. Oh, you should. You should. <laughs> Dang. All right. Well, uh, for the two of us tonight, talking about Stoics and whatnot, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We're track walking. We'll talk to you next week.